What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of season three for Sonship and Sexuality. And I'm here with my man, James Neal. What's up, bro? What is up, my guy? He is back by popular demand. He was just so popular. Everyone wanted to hear him talk more. Please so, stop. so we had to bring it back. We had to bring him back. Thanks for taking the time, bro, for us to hang out and talk about this. I really do think it's really important, um, as most of our audience is young adults, um, talking about sexual integrity. And today we're going to talk about really breaking down what sexual integrity is and why it's important. Um, Last two seasons I've done the podcast, I've used sexual integrity very intentionally um, because I think sexual purity has gotten a bad rap and it's kind of become this... Uh, annoying cliche of like you just put everything bad you think about Christianity and sexuality in a box and you call it sexual purity Mm. and it kind of it hurts the conversation before you even start it yeah so I started doing sexual integrity because I thought it was a better way of trying to have a conversation about what Christian sexuality should look like I love that man and so today I just want to pick your brain you are a young adult but you've been married for almost five years five years this August. August 6th. Coming close. Yeah. And so you've you've been married for a little bit, but you're surrounded by young adults. A lot of your community is young adults. Absolutely. Um, you came from a, a Christian college environment like ORU, <laughs> so you know some context there. Sure. Um, but you also now live in Southern Colorado Springs and see a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear all, all sorts of stories and testimonies about people's history, their past, their sure. testimonies of what God's done in their life. And a lot of it comes down from some type of sexual past, um, some more extreme than others. Sure. But I guess uh, what I kind of want to start our discussion with today is the question of like, why is sexual integrity important for a Christian? Where we'll put this on the context of like, hey, does it make sense to be sexually integrous if that's even the thing? Uh, if you're not a believer, I don't know why sure. I would not be. It just doesn't make sense. But right. as a believer, as a follower of Christ, one who wants to honor God, yeah. what is what is the rationale? What is the why behind living a lifestyle of sexual integrity? Well, I love what you said just about switching the narrative from purity to integrity. Um, I think purity, as we have understood it, can be based in value. Mm. And if you value something, you you live towards those values. So if I'm someone who values family, most of my activities through the week that are after work will probably involve my family. But if I don't value family, then I neglect to do that. 100%. So now, based on my values, you would be a bad father if you didn't value family. So the issue, I think, with the purity conversation as we come to know it, and I'm using that intentionally, is that it is purely based on values and values are relative. Yeah. And so what can't be in the life of a believer in their sexual life, um, there can't be relativity. Yeah. It has there has to be some standard, something that is concrete, something that is objective and outside of our one of oneself in order for us to really have it come from God. Because right. God is not relative. God right. is not mold himself to fit us sure we can make arguments well god reached me in this particular circumstance of course god will do anything because that's what a father does right um but when it comes to him calling himself to you um now you're you're going to start changing how you look right to fit into his box versus right. the other way right um i was saying i love to say is that purity 
um, is what God does to us. He purifies yeah. us. But yeah, holiness, yeah. that's our choice. Right. We we come to God after we purify. We can stay purified for the rest of our lives and just live contently there. Yeah, yeah. But when the time comes and says, hey, I want more, that's what holiness is. And it's yeah. like, now, God, I want to put aside anything that satisfies me but maybe turns you off. Maybe it mm. doesn't please you as much as yeah. it pleases me. In a previous episode I did, uh, I called it uh, designer sex. Mm. And it's this idea of like, like our current culture says that sex was designed for you, like for mm. you to enjoy, for you to embrace. Like that's why sex is here. And you mm. see that in movies and TV shows. It's like, I want this, so yeah. I'm going to get this. Yeah. You need this, so come and get it. You know, like this is the vibe of sexuality in our culture. Yeah. And if that's the picture of what designer sex looks like for you, that's what, how you were designed, it makes sense to have sex outside mm-hmm. of marriage. But if you understand the context of the creator, yeah. and you know we're sitting here in nature surrounded by trees and ants and all <laughs> these things that have purpose, that yeah. God created with purpose, yeah. but he also created them with an intended desire of pleasure. Sure. He looks at them and he feels great pleasure when he sees an aspen tree mm. and he's like, I made it that way. Yeah. It's unique yeah. compared to all trees, it's unique. And so when he looks at us, he says, we're unique. And we're not like the animals. Yeah. Praise God. There's some goodness in our sexuality. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. he made it good yeah. and pleasurable. Absolutely. And so when you look at designer sex, I talked about how really to understand the purpose of your sexuality, you have to understand the creator God because mm-hmm. he made it. Just sure. like if you're saying, I want to understand how my car works. Sure. You got to get in there and you got to understand why was this car created? Because yeah. a limo is a lot different than a pickup truck. Different yeah. purposes, but there's an intended purpose behind that. And so for us, we're created sexual beings. You and I, as men, yeah. right, we're created in for sexuality in a different way sure. than women are. Mm-hmm. But if we buy into this culture of like what women think and what men think is it's for us, it's yeah. for me, rather than sex is for us. Mm. God gave this for That's us. So but you never hear anything about us yeah. in culture. It's about you yeah. or it's about me. Yeah. And it's like, you, if you're good and if I'm good, it's like you and I. No, no, no. It's supposed to be us, yeah. which is why God said, hey, marriage, this yeah. is where it's supposed to be. And it, we could go a lot farther into that, but I want to hit on this idea in theology of, okay, well, I I see sex as good as a gift from God, but I think that's a very old-fashioned way of thinking. Mm-hmm. That's an old-fashioned way of thinking saying, like, you can't have sex before you get married. Or it comes to all those questions of like, what is permissible? What is not permissible? Sure. All that. So from your perspective and kind of like based on your experience, like why should Christians still abstain from living a sexually impure life mm-hmm. before marriage? Like mm-hmm. why? Like there's so many reasons why we could just do whatever we want right now. Like sure. why do we, why do we choose to do that? Sure. I think, I think sex works best in the context of marriage because proper sex in marriage and when I say proper I mean prescribed in the best case possible I guess we'll say it that way Mm. there is no way I can approach my wife in anger in bitterness telling her what she's going to do telling her what I'm not going to do Mm. and actually have sex yeah I for my married men, I think you know that don't work at all. <laughs> nope. um, on the contrary, sex works best when there is give, when there is take, mm. when there is humility, when there is communication. Mm. I think in marriage, if you want to be a better communicator, 
have sex. <laughs> like honestly, like yeah, you, like if you aren't communicating well, I I I promise you, I can probably tie that back to your sex life yep. as a married man or woman. Yep. Because in order for you to really give to each other, what matters most to be that vulnerable self, mm-hmm. you can't just come in calling shots. Yep. You have to really ask. You have to. Yep give you have to receive you yep. have to take parts of someone that you're not sure what 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 has all led you to become this person right. i have to ask like there's a journey involved in mm-hmm. sex and within marriage and i think as opposed to other contexts there's just not the level of commitment yeah there's not the level of vulnerability there's not the level of humility mm. um that is tied with non-marital sex it's an exchange it's a transaction yep and transactions are fine Mm. they happen um but i don't think that they are as pleasurable yeah i don't think that they are as involved yeah um i I think it's kind of like when you go to maybe let's say if you go and buy something and you actually don't have to live with it you don't treat it as well Mm. like if you go buy something or maybe the better word is you go rent something it's like oh i can rent it i can leave it however i want as opposed to when you own it you take care of that thing Mm. when i got my first car i washed that thing almost every week (laughs) i mean i was cleaning it from the inside out because it meant something to me and it belonged to me it was mine yeah and i was it so i mean without me the car wasn't going nowhere yeah and without it, I wasn't going anywhere. Mm. There was a need. There was a mutual reliance on one another. Yeah. And I think in the same way, marriage creates a reliance on one another mm. as well as God that all translates into this awesome cocktail yep. that makes sex better. Yeah. I mean, I don't really... I, am I the greater of all sex? No. I can only grade my sexual life, which has been with my wife, one woman, because I got married a virgin. And hello. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Amen. Amen. Um, but from my experience, it seems that that has been the pathway that God has laid out. And that's just what I see from it. That's what yeah. I see. No, that's real. And I think we'd both agree the context of marriage, that's where it's at. That's how God designed it, intended it. We sure. can talk for hours about Bible behind that and all that kind of thing. Read your Bible. It's in there. Trust me. Sure. Um, and living, I mean, living the life of why can't I just do what I want? I mean, I feel like it's odd to me that people are still asking that question, but I know at the same time we live in a fallen world, so people will forever ask that question. But it's like the how close can I get to the cliff without falling off? Right, right. And it's like if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, first of all, the, the statutes of God, the laws of God never grow old. Yeah. They don't grow tired. They mm-hmm. don't change. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus literally said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So mm. th- th- there is an implication, there is communication there yep. that nothing that he's ever told us is up for debate later on. Yeah. <laughs> like it's established. His yep. word is established. The Bible says he's exalted his word above his name. Mm-hmm. His name is hallowed. His name is the one that demons respond to. His name matters, yet he has put his word mm-hmm. above that. Mm-hmm. If that is true, I think it behooves us, those who call themselves followers of Christ, to probably listen and yield to that yeah. word, whatever yep. that word says. Yep. And in this case, he says, premarital sex doesn't work well for you. It's yep. not my prescription for you. Yep. It doesn't mean that Christ writes you off, that you're the worst thing in the world, that he's never going to talk to you again. Yep. No. 
but mm. this is how he has asked and prescribed and commanded you to live. Yeah. So as someone who says, hey, I'm living my life for him, mm. that means something that carries weight. Yep. Yep. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why should we do what Jesus tells us? Yep. Because it means we love him. Yep. It is very hard for me and any leader to reconcile someone who says, I love God, but I don't obey him. Right. I love God, but I don't think that what he says has value. Right. If you say that you love God, but you discount the value that he adds to your life, and I'm going to ask you if you really mean that you yeah. love him. Yeah. And I will make a case and challenge you to prove a point that you probably don't. Right. Not as much as you think you do. Right. And that's reconcilable. We can we can remedy that later. Yep. We can get into the scripture. Yep. You can rededicate. We can repent. But if you're not willing to actually take God at his word, yep. then there's a bigger issue at hand. Yep. Because if you're not taking him at his word sexually, there's probably a lot of other areas that you're yep. not taking him at his word at. Yep. Because that's a little bit more pivotal. So there are some things that you might call trivial right. that God's like, mm, no, I care about all that. Right. Because the truth is God's, he's really involved in our lives. He cares 100%. about every little detail. Everything. I mean, yep. he's all the way in. And I think one more thought in that area is this idea of really, if you're saying, how close can I get? Um, why doesn't God let me do this? Why, why can't I do that? Why do I have to wait till marriage for this? Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, if you boil it down, you are questioning a core characteristic of who God is, and that's his goodness. Mm. Like that actually his intentions for you are better than that's you so could good. possibly realize. And I think so the enemy very subtly says, just like in the garden, like, do you really think God has your best at heart? Sure. And it really goes back to that garden principle of really it's your pride saying, actually, I think I know better than God in this area. Mm. And God says, I, I have intended it this way. Here's why. And you can disobey. You can sin, but there are these consequences. And that's where that free choice comes in, that free will of saying, like, you can choose to do this. And I love you, and I don't want that to happen for you, but I'm giving you this choice because that's that's who I am. But really, if you come back down to it, I'd challenge anyone that's listening to this, coming from two guys that got married as virgins, and, like, we didn't have outside experience in that way, that there were times that I thought, man, but it, it would be so good. It would feel so good. Absolutely. It would it would be great. Yes. And and in your mind, it makes sense that it would be good. It would be great. But at the end of the day, if you come back to it, you're saying, but that means I am saying I know my best good so instead good. of saying that he knows my best good. You said it, man. And then I think that's, that's the core value of coming down to the sexual integrity life. You have to come back to God's goodness. Ah. So if you need a practical prayer point and you're listening to this, like, what does that mean? pray about God's goodness. I love that. Because I think a lot of people say like, well, God is good when things are good things are happening to me. But really, if you're taking a real look at it, you're saying, God, do I trust you with the deepest desires of my heart? Mm. And for most people, having sex is a great desire. Yeah. Okay. I don't know of you, but we've all had that thought. God, you can come back. Jesus, you can come back <laughs> anytime you want. Just make sure it's at least a couple days after I get married. At Just a couple least. days. I need some time. I'm, James never thought that. James James oh, has never that's thought that. A whole Listen, <laughs> there is nothing worse than temptation meets opportunity. Yeah. And in middle school, high school, all uh, the temptations were obviously there, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, opportunities came. Thankfully, the Lord was there to keep us strong. But he's good. It was not. It was not fun. But I mean, you said it. It's the garden. I mean, I, yeah. what I love about our faith is that we can usually trace just about everything to that place. Mm-hmm. We can go back to the garden and pretty much find out the source of just about everything that went wrong and how things can go right. 100%. I heard 
I can't remember if one of our old deans used to say this, but I heard it said, the sin in the garden wasn't that Eve or Adam ate the fruit. It was fascination. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. stopped being fascinated with God and yeah. started being fascinated with the fruit. Yep. And that led to a whole conversation within themselves yep. and obviously facilitated and instigated by Satan that dealt with adding to God's commandments. Yep. like changing even what God was saying. Yep. Like God said, we can't even touch it. God never said anything about you touching yep. it. He said, be focused on me and do what I've commanded you to yep. do. But somewhere along the way, they said, hmm, God is so good, but what about that apple over there? Yep. And when we allow our opinions to become the apple that Eve was tempted it mm-hmm. with, we start becoming fascinated with something other than God's goodness. Yep. I mean, you said it perfectly because, and I think a lot of times what people don't realize there is a tension we have to walk as believers because a lot of rebuttals would be oh so you're saying i can't question god i'm not saying that at all because it's human nature to wonder it's human nature to question mm-hmm. i'm t- telling you to fill yourself with wonder for him mm-hmm. give that muscle of imagination and wonder yep give it a purpose yep give it somewhere to to grow tired yep grow tired dreaming about how good god is mm-hmm. grow tired about wow. wondering how good i mean i could wonder about how good sex is sure but god's way better than yep. sex yep. and some people are like well james that's real easy <laughs> since you're on the other side <laughs> you can have it legally <laughs> listen as someone who's experienced in both god's better than sex yep yep and so you can spend that time being fascinated mm-hmm. imagine imagining or just staring into space wondering about how good sex is yep. or yep you can spend that same energy yep. as david said contemplating on God's mm, goodness. Yes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord and forgive not his benefits. Mm. David sat in a sheepfold in the middle of a pasture. Yep. Yep. Writing songs of God's goodness. Yes. And this was a young shepherd boy, never experienced sex, and really had a very limited view like all of us of God, yet mm. he knew there is something so good about this God. Mm. And I could spend hours, I could spend yep. days writing about how good he is. Yeah. About all that has gone into, as you said, we're in the middle of his creation right now. And you can see his goodness. And I think the truth is the question of why should I be sexually integrous is the wrong question. You're not even looking for the right answer. You're, you're asking the wrong question. The real question is, what is satisfying? Because mm. the point is, you think that that is going to satisfy yep. you. Yep. And I promise you, mm-hmm. it won't. Mm-hmm. That there, there's not enough sex in the world. Yep. Just like there's not enough money in the mm-hmm. world. There's not enough anything in the world. Yep. I love, um, uh, my pastor actually talked about this today. Uh, the world's best theologian, Jim Carrey, <laughs> once said that everybody in the world should get everything they want. They should get rich. They should have access to whatever they desire so that they can realize that that's not it. Yeah. So if you can't take it from me, take it from millionaires and billionaires around the earth who have said, hey, I have everything I could ever dream or yep. desire. And I'm still looking to be satisfied. Yep. And I think that that's the pivotal question that your audience, young mm-hmm. adults everywhere, adults generally, whoever, Christians yep. who are wondering why should I stay pure or integrous in the area mm-hmm. of sexuality? I think you should ask a different question. Yep, yep, that's really good. And I think uh, focusing on the uh, balance of attention and appetite mm-hmm. is what we hit it on. Was like fascination really comes down to those two things. So good is your attention. What you so give your attention to mm-hmm. is what begins to stir that appetite, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's like it's like uh, when you start drinking 
uh, coffee every morning. Mm -hmm. Okay. You never drink coffee. All of a sudden you started doing it. You're in college, you're busy. So you start drinking it. And then day after day you start waking up being like, I need coffee. I need coffee. I need coffee. And then it doesn't just start like the, the nice, uh, little lattes or like lots of milk in them. You just go straight for the espresso. Like I just need the shot. I need to get energy. So your appetite has been carved because of the attention that you've given something every Mm. single day. And so for a lot of young adults, they watch shows, movies, listen to music, have conversations with friends. Um, everywhere they are saturated with this idea that sex is the most fascinating thing. Wild Mm. one night stands, um, meeting up at a club and going home with somebody like these are what excites you. This is what fascinates you. This is what's going to make you happy. And Yet you in those same TV and movies, you see those same people be miserable. Like you see them and you're like, it wasn't worth it. Or, oh, this person got pregnant. Now my life is over. And yet somehow we still think that this sexual appetite will be satisfied if we just go on that one night stand. If we just go a little bit farther with our boyfriend, girlfriend than we have been going. You know, you just you you come up with these ideas of like, this will satisfy my appetite. Mm. But it never truly does. Come on. And you think back to the garden. Yeah. It was an appetite good, that yeah. Satan stirred in Eve when they, when it was first taken. It was, hey, well, did God really say? Well, what makes you think? It? And so she, she's playing on her desire for power, on her desire for choice, and on her desire of an appetite. Like, there's an appetite. Like, she could have been hungry. I don't know. She's like, yeah, sure. I could walk way over there for that apple, or I could grab this one right here. Right. It's convenient. I have an appetite. Just like, sure. if we're being real, we all have some type of sexual appetite. Absolutely. It's different for everybody, but like... James does, Ida, China, Ali, we all have sexual appetites. And so we have a safe place for that to be, but an appetite unchecked is a recipe for disaster. It's, it's obesity. It's death. It's, it's taking you places that you should never go with an appetite that's unchecked. And so God gives us the parameters of like, here's how it's supposed to be. Here's where your appetite can thrive and can be healthy and will be satisfied within the context of what I designed. And the, I think, man, you, you're, you're hitting the nails. I, maybe I'm setting them up, and he's the hammer today, guys. No, no, you, you, you hitting it, bro. Because there, there is a difference between appetite and hunger. Like, appetite is the desire to eat. Mm-hmm. Hunger is a cue from the body that there is a need mm-hmm. that has not been met. Right. And so we can frequently eat and appease our appetite. Yeah. There are people that can eat only according to their appetite. But then they eventually lose the ability to hear their hunger mm-hmm. because you can actually satisfy your appetite and still be hungry. Yeah. Like if I'm craving a piece of candy, that doesn't change the fact that my body hasn't been fed. And I go and I satisfy my appetite. Mm-hmm. I go and get that candy. But there's nutrients I need. Mm-hmm. There's I need some veggies in there. I need yep. some protein. You can go your entire life eating according to your appetite. Yep. Or you can silence your appetite, mm-hmm. allow your hunger, because the thing is, hunger comes from a need and you're designed based on your designer. Yeah. The need that your body, that your mind, that your spirit is always pointing you back to is God. Mm-hmm. So anytime there's a hunger inside of you, the thing that you're actually looking for is God. Yeah. But if you allow your appetite to speak for you, you'll feel that. You're like, oh yeah, I'm hungry. But what I really want is sex. Mm-hmm. What I really want is to master it, bait. What I really want is to look at pornography. Mm. But the truth is, you're hungry for some level of satisfaction. Yeah. But you've been allowing your appetite to dictate what you feed yourself. 100%. And I think that, man, 
I think that if we could raise a generation, if we as a church could become people who are guided by the hunger that God placed in us for him instead of the appetite that we allow our imaginations to cook up for us, Mm -hmm. then we might actually change the way we look. Like you said, appetites lead to obesity. Yeah. They lead to health issues. Mm-hmm. The same is the same physically. So is the same spiritually. So absolutely. If you only eat according to what you're appetizing, what you desire, you aren't going to grow. No, at least not the right way. Definitely not. You might grow horizontally, <laughs> grow sideways. You'll, you'll grow sideways. You'll be full of what you want, but you'll never actually become stronger. You'll yep. never actually be able to run farther. Mm-hmm. You never grow in endurance. And I believe that the truth is more than sex. All of us want to be better. Yep. We want to be better people. We want to be full people. We want to be someone that when other people come around, they're blessed by our presence. Yep. Yep. When other people come around, they experience God. Yeah. As believers, the ones who are listening to this, it's not merely about, hey, I just get what I want, and I believe that God wants to fix, wants to fit into that bubble. Let me tell you something. That's just not true. Yeah, not at all. It's not true. He's designed you to hunger after him, so fill that hunger with him. Yep, that's good want to get better like you're talking about like want to become more like christ sure but that that sexual integrity thing is a struggle for them yeah well even as you were t- asking the question i just felt by the spirit just impressed on my heart to speak towards denial mm. um listen i was someone who grew up kind of self-righteous i'm gonna be honest i know who i was <laughs> um i grew up with pk i lived a pretty like not shelter my parents were actually really open like they allowed me to grow up and like I went to public school not hating on the homeschoolers but (laughs) I I had a regular like growing up childhood where I was exposed to a lot of stuff yep um but at the same time though I abstained from those things um as I was growing though I was a virgin I did take steps too far sexually yeah and I think the first step is not being in denial of who you are and Mm. where you are first of all who you are does not change your identity is in christ Mm -hmm. your value is in christ and your value lies in him so that does not change regardless of what choice you make but with that being said it's important to not be living in a false reality yeah where you think okay well i haven't done this so i'm not really as bad as whoever you know my friend down the street or my friend who's i'm texting right now or someone i'm scrolling past on tiktok or instagram like it's important that you recognize if you want to grow, you have to really acknowledge where you are. Mm. And if you find difficulty with that, ask the Lord. The Bible says that he will search your heart mm. and he will shine a light on the things that we can't see ourselves. Yeah. And so if there's something in you that's like, man, I'm not sure where I am sexually. I know I want to get better. I don't know if I'm the worst thing that God's ever seen. I don't know if I'm somewhere in the middle, but God, help me see where I'm at. Yeah. And I think that that's the first place to pray. God, just show me where I'm at. Take inventory of my life yeah. so that we can move forward together. Because the thing is, the Bible, like the Bible talks about not basically not beginning a project before you count at the cost. Mm-hmm. Take a step back and involve God in this process yep. of exploring where you are. Mm-hmm. And then obviously get into your word. Yeah. There's so, there's so much life in the scriptures about how to live pure, yep. how to live sanctified. Again, mm. it's not just sexuality. Sanctification is a whole life transformation. Yep. It yep. is moving you in the position yep. fully of who God has called you to mm. be. Yep. And it is the laying down of the things that gratify our appetite 
but don't please the Lord. So good. We have to get past purity and we have to get to holiness, man. Yeah. We have to get to holiness yep. because that is where God has called us to live. He says, mm-hmm. be holy as your father in heaven is holy. Yep. He's made us holy. Yep. And so it would just be a shame for the lamb who suffered to not get that reward, to mm-hmm. not get the inheritance of a holy people. Yep. Oh, he's made the way clear. Mm. That's so good. Oh, that's so good. So good. One of the reasons I call the podcast Sonship and Sexuality and intentionally putting Sonship first is this idea that Sonship is who we're called to be. As sons and daughters, we are aligning ourselves under Mm. our God, our Father God. And like we talked about earlier, He has a design, He has a purpose for each of us. And if you, you call yourself Christian, if you say, I love Jesus, I choose to follow Him, then part of what that means is, yes, your sexual nature has to align with what your Father says. But at the end of the day, it's because we are sons and daughters. Yeah. That That's the because. Like, we come back to that. So, so good. even if you need to rewind to that part about fascination, it, that that alone is like, what, what do sons and daughters look like? They're fascinated with their father. They're so fascinated. So, you know, James and I aren't perfect. We haven't done, a, we're not talking on this podcast because we have it all together or because we're the perfect examples or whatever. We're on here because we've, we, we care about seeing you fascinated with Jesus. Yeah. And, when you're fascinated with Jesus, it won't just be things sexually that change for you. It's going to be a whole life change because so, he's going to shine light on all areas in your life. Yeah. So don't think that you just get over your sexual baggage or whatever <laughs> and then you're you're scot-free. No, no. fascination with Jesus no, is no. a lifetime pursuit. Yeah. A lifetime pursuit. Yeah. So um, anyways, I, I hope that conversation was helpful for you guys. And James, I thank you so much for just investing. Bro, you always bring the gold, always bring the, the wisdom, the nuggets. <laughs> Thankful for you. Thankful for you in China. Can't wait till we get on that couple's cruise together. One day. It's going to be awesome. about this cruise. We're going to make it happen. Let's go. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Sonship and Sexuality Podcast. I hope you tune in to the next one.